in this week's update, how the next couple of weeks are setting up, and the final step in the successful portfolio construction and management program. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only, and please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right, over the last four weeks, I've been running this little mini-series about successful investing and the pathway to long-term success, the four key steps, just to recap, get a clear and simple plan suitable for you, understand where the high probability growth stocks are sitting, develop an entry and management plan that works for you, and stay the journey. Don't jump at shadows. So let's look at the final chapter in this mini-series now. So what is needed to have the mental state to stay the journey to be a successful long-term investor? So from my perspective, two things are needed. First of all, you need very high conviction about what you're doing. This is just so much a mental game. This is not about mechanics. This is about controlling your emotions. And from that conviction, just learn to trust your process. Things won't always go well all the time, but you don't want to abandon it just because the short term gets a bit rocky. So you've got to be able to trust your process and just let it play out over the long term because the world's best investors have been just that because they had a process that worked and they didn't get thrown offline by short term aberrations in the market. And there are always plenty of those because once you get out, it's very difficult to get back in again. It really is to buy back into a stock that you've previously owned, that you may have sold at a small loss, for instance, it's very hard to get back in again. So it's better just to let it play out, just ride through the lumps and the bumps, as long as the assets that you're looking to buy or you own are of the highest quality. So I've broken this up into two parts, I guess, and it's all about managing your psychology. So the first part is for People that aren't looking for assistance from someone external, they're looking to operate alone, and that's fine if you've got the time and the capacity to do it. So these are some of the things that I think you will find very helpful. These are lessons that I've learned over more than three decades, and I think they'll stand you in good stead. <clears throat> First of all, you need to read widely, and you need to read both bullish and bearish arguments. There's no point in just reading what it is that fits your view of the world because you'll end up with a completely distorted view of how things sit. So you've got to be able to balance both sides of the argument. You've got to read widely and that just takes time. I mean, if you're not prepared to devote at least an hour a day or more just to keeping in touch with what's going on, then you're just not going to have the right perspective on the market. You're not going to be able to make the right moves when they need to be made. The second point, really important, resist media tips. There's a million of them out there and a tip out of the context of what you're trying to do, your objectives, your game plan, uh, it's just next to worthless. In fact, it's possibly worse than, than no tip at all. It just really doesn't work. Thirdly is the ability to put the financial metrics into context. Now that assumes that you actually know how to read profit and loss statements, balance sheets, cash flow statements, and you actually have a pretty good understanding of what all the financial metrics mean. But that's not enough. You've got to be able to appreciate the trends and you've got to be able to put all of that in the context of not only what that particular company is doing, 
but also the environment that it is operating in. <clears throat> and secondly, um, the, the bigger global environment. And unless you can put that data into that sort of relevant context, then again, you've just got some isolated data that you may make wrong conclusions for. For instance, the return on equities might be sailing along very nicely. And then for a year or two, the return on equities dip. Now, you need to understand, is that because the company is doing something very productive for the long term to set themselves up for the future? And it's just a temporary period that you can largely ignore? Or is it the start of a change in circumstances for the worst for that company? So you've got to be able to understand the context in which you're looking at those financial metrics. And frankly, if you can't do it, then doing financial analysis, again, is I think it's more dangerous than not doing it at all because you come up with an answer that's possibly wrong and you act on it thinking that it's correct. Next, you need to get to know your targets well, the target company. You need to have read basically everything that the management puts out. You need to understand where they're going. You certainly need to understand the environment that that company's operating in so that you can make up, not so much a prediction, I don't know if that's the right word, but you need to have an appreciation of what the next two to five years outlook is for that company with a high degree of probability. If you're going to commit to buying an asset for the long term, then you need to be pretty sure that you've got it right. And finally, having done all that, it's probable that the share price at most times will do something different to what the financial metrics would indicate it should be. I mean, it's just the way it is. So you've got to be able to be skilled at reading charts and place more emphasis on what the charts are telling you in the short to medium term than necessarily what the financials. So if you want to operate as a lone ranger, by all means, go right ahead. That's what I've always done. But you just need to understand the work involved in doing that. For the second group, which is the vast majority of people that are looking for some sort of experience guiding hand to help them with all this, they don't have the time, they don't have the knowledge, the inclination to do all of what I've just said. So some of the actions that you can take here Obviously, Resist Media Tips is, is critical, whether you're working alone or working in conjunction with someone else. They really do more harm than good. Now, you don't need to get to know the company because if someone's providing that experience guiding hand, then they're doing that for you. But you need to get to know yourself well. You need to understand your tolerance to volatility, you know, the shorter term ups and downs. You need to have patience to let the process play out. And really importantly, your chosen process needs to fit your lifestyle. And everybody's circumstances to a degree are different. And there is no point in trying to operate to a plan that just doesn't fit your business circumstances, your personal circumstances, or your family circumstances, because it'll fail. Guaranteed, it'll fail if you're trying to do something that's just not suitable for you. So very important to get that right. Cultivate an open mind and be flexible. Don't get stuck in a certain line of thinking and be ready to shift quickly if warranted. Because even though you might be working with someone that is providing 
some experience and direction, you've still got to pull the trigger at the end of the day. So they're all the things that are really, really important. So putting it all together, let's pull the, the four elements that I've covered over the last four or five weeks together. So what's on offer? Why would you bother? Well, well above average returns with lower risk than traditional diversified investing is what's on offer if you do it properly. Now, if you don't do it properly, then you won't get well above average returns. Let's be very clear about this. But what this process is about is not diversify, not trying to manage our risk by diversifying across the market. It's by just targeting the specific stocks that are high growth and are going to continue that high growth into the future with a high degree of probability. And if you can do it well, the difference in wealth between what most people do and what is possible is enormous. It's absolutely enormous. And I, I think I might've touched on that a, a couple of weeks ago. So wrapping it up, the whole process is you need to formulate a simple top-down plan, and it really is very simple and it's pretty short. So there's nothing onerous about this. A simple top-down plan to compartmentalize your portfolio. A, a, a bit of this, a bit of mining, a bit of non-mining, something in healthcare, etc., etc. So just get a picture of what you want your portfolio to look like. Now, if you've ever done this, and I know from talking to people that I've started down this pathway with, they really don't know where to start. So I get that. You mightn't understand, but it really is a very simple process if you're working with someone. Next is the identification of high probability, higher growth stocks, ones that are highly likely to continue their path of earnings growth into the future. Then we wait for a significant sell-off to reset risk. We don't want to be buying into a stock when it's just had a big run and it's possible that we could get a 25, 30, 40% pullback in the price. We wait for that big reset to occur. And that's our entry point. And then, of course, finally, as I've just covered in this little section here, stay the journey. Don't be thrown offline. Don't get wobbly because the market does some unexpected things or because something that you read tells you that we're about to go into a bear market or whatever. Just don't jump at shadows. So I hope that this has been really helpful and providing a perspective. That's what the Sunday videos that I've been doing for 16 years now are about. It's providing an independent, objective perspective on what's happening in the market. Email subscribers have already seen a video that I did on the 2024 outlook and provided some examples about stocks for long-term wealth accumulation. For everyone else who didn't see that, who's not a subscriber, then go to the link in the description below. So uh, as I've been foreshadowing over the last couple of weeks, there is a special offer for 2024. We rarely do this. We've never provided a trial, if you like, for the Insiders Club. But this is such a crucial point at the moment. 2024, if you do it right, is setting up to be an excellent year because we've now moved beyond all the fears and all the worries of 2023 about inflation and interest rates. And that certainly seems to have turned the corner. So there is a 25% discount on the Insiders Club for a short period. And there is two options for payment, either 
one payment of $329, which covers the two months. And then from then on, it's $220 a month ongoing. Or you can pay it month by month, uh, two payments of $179 and then the ongoing. There's no lock-in contract. You know, we want to make sure that investors who are members of the Insiders Club, that the service we provide fits for them. If it doesn't, that's fine. There are also some bonus training courses, how to construct a stock portfolio and trading with precision, not prediction. One-on-one uh, -on -one phone support is always really helpful when you're starting out. So that you're making sure that you're utilizing the resources in the best way possible. So there's two 30-minute phone calls with me over that two-month period, one at the start and one towards the end. There is also, if you wish, a 30-minute financial health check with a licensed financial advisor that we work with, that we have a great deal of faith in. And in short, it's the absolute best that I can provide to help investors create long-term wealth. There is a link in the description below. All right. Having dealt with that, let's have a quick look at the market to finish off the year. The American market rose 0.3% uh, uh, last week. It's now sitting at resistance, major resistance, and a big double top, all-time highs. Short term, it's overbought. And Friday, not so much at the index level, but I, I went through a couple of hundred individual stock charts, um, and there was certainly some profit taking. The volumes were up, and 90% of the stocks that I looked at were finished down. So I'm, it just sort of left me with a, the feeling that, you know, the, the profit taking started early on the, uh, on the final Friday of, uh, of 2023 and that we may, in fact, because the US market is so short term overboard, that we may, in fact, um, see some more profit taking and a bit of a pullback in the first week or two of January, um, not because it's it's warranted on valuation or any other reason. It's just the, as we'll see on the chart, the market has just gone up so much in the last, uh, in the last two months since, uh, the big, the big turnaround on the 27th of October. So just be a little bit cautious, um, or looked at the other way. You can look at it as an opportunity, um, to maybe buy the stock that you wanted to buy, but get it 10% cheaper or whatever than than what it was last trading at. The US dollar index still sliding a bit down to uh, 101.38. Uh, the 10 year yield is still holding down under four. The VIX steady, 12.5. And the 10 year, two year spread is still negative, but less negative than it was um, a week or two ago. So let's take a look at this is the SP on a weekly chart. There is 2023, here's the start, and there's a finish, um, a huge double top. So we're at a very important juncture for the S&P. This is uh, January of, uh, of 2022. So that's, uh, that's two years ago. Um, so we've re basically revisited the same point two years later. Um, if we whiz over to a, just before I do, you can see, We've really got quite a strong uptrend. There's been quite a bit of volatility around that during 2023. You can see some fairly wild swings above and, and below that 
that average uh, trend line, um, but a massive surge from the end of uh, the end of October, which is when things turned around, and it's just gone straight up. Every week uh, was higher, so hence short term overbought, and uh, you can see. We certainly got a little bit of profit taking on on Friday. Did close well up off off the lows, but as I said, when you look at a couple of hundred individual stock charts, it was just it was a bit more somber than than that looks. Just be a little bit cautious in the next couple of weeks is is my um, my recommendation. Let's look at where the money flows are going very quickly. Nasdaq versus the S and P still trending. Um, to the upside, which means aggressive parts of the market are seeing more money flows than, um, than the rest of the market. Importantly, semiconductors versus the S&P, same story, strong uptrend and um, no change. Let's look at on a sector basis over the last quarter. And there's been no change here, as you can see, for quite some time. We've got technology. Um, followed by financials, consumer discretionary, heavily influenced by Tesla, Amazon, make up some 40% of that index. That's a bit misleading. You might look at that and think, you know, Americans are shopping till they drop, but um, it's not quite as simple as uh, XLC, communication services, and um, aggressive sector, uh, and then materials. And then we've got um, healthcare consumer staples and then energy bringing up the bringing up the rear because it you know it had a pretty tough year in 2023 but the long-term outlook for for us energy is uh, is good australia same thing over the last quarter materials and healthcare really picked up in the last quarter um so materials and healthcare leading the way small caps also picked up so i think probably two of them Two of the most significant recoveries of the last quarter were healthcare and small caps, and then followed by finance, um, information technology, and energy, uh, bringing up the rear. So that is how the markets looked in um, in the last quarter. The Aussie stocks, our dollar finished sixty seven fifty two, so certainly a bit of a rebound. We got down to uh, down to around sixty three. Um, a little while ago, the ASX 200 gained 1.2% across the week. I suspect when we open on Tuesday, um, it'll probably be negative, I would expect. Now, from a fundamental point of view, mining projects in Australia are suffering from huge cost blowouts. We're seeing it with not only developers, um, stocks newly into production, um, and also existing well-established producers. Cost blowouts are really, really a big issue. Um, there are also delays in the availability of labor and materials. So the mining space, whilst the long-term outlook for commodity prices looks really robust and for demand, um, the mining industry is facing some significant challenges at the moment. Um, and that's why, you know, we, we did within the, um, the Insiders Club and also Portfolio Analyst, we did a very significant pivot in terms of our focus at the start of 2023 and um, have added very, very little in mining uh, and, and certainly virtually nothing in mining in, um, in the core portfolio. 
Um, the focus has been on non-mining stocks across all sorts of different sectors, so very stock-specific. And I've just found there is far greater reliability in not only the financial trends, but also the price trends of uh, non-mining stocks. And um, the core portfolio in the Insiders Club has, um, has had a very good finish to the year. So that's the, uh, that's the Aussie market. I'll look at those, I'll look at the index charts in just a minute. Uh, gold, 2063. It's had a fourth crack at breaking to new all-time highs. It's, it's got to do it soon because you know, one of history would, would show you that if you have three or four or, or five goes and you're unable to break resistance uh, or support, that it's likely to hold. Now, if we translate that into Aussie dollars, um, 3056, the, the cost for gold uh, producers is rising along with everybody else, but they're still making some very, very good margins. If we look at um, global stocks, they're still lacking momentum. There are some opportunities in Australia, both with existing producers. There's been 25, 30% gains in, in some of the local producers in the last uh, quarter, but also a couple of the developers are, um, have done quite well also. So let's go and have a quick look at those charts. XJO, first of all. So here's the, um, here's the, big, um, the big major uh, top, um, all-time highs. So we've had, um, we've had this is the, the first attempt to break out. This is the second attempt to break out. Third attempt in February of this year, and now we're back knocking on the door um, for a fourth go at it. So yeah, it needs to needs to move on from here. And we saw, despite the time of year, we saw some quite um, strong volumes in um, in the ASX 200. If we look at um, at gold, this is um, the gold price on a uh, daily basis. But the weekly tells a clearer story. So the initial spike here was in August 2020, went up to around 2080. Uh, we had another crack at it in March of, of 2022. Again, in May of, uh, of 2023, we did have a breakout, an intraday breakout in the week ending the 8th of December, but it failed very quickly. So that was pretty ominous. I've really expected gold to come off from there, from this huge failure. You know, when you get a huge technical failure like this, um, there's a lot of disappointed people and disgruntled short-term traders. So I expected this to follow through to the downside. The fact that it hasn't, and we've had another crack within a couple of weeks is, is an encouraging sign, but it does need to get on with it and do a clean, sustainable break. If we look at GDXJ, you can see it's really, it's just nothing much really. It's just caught in this big sideways band. So that's the gold market. Other commodities, uh, copper edged up a little bit, nickel edged down a little bit. For some reason, the charts that I normally access aren't available. Crude oil, um, also slipped down a little bit more to 71.3. And interestingly, um, the futures for the crude oil market are in what's called backwardation. 
that means that the current price, the current spot price is higher than the futures price. So that, you know, that's a situation that, that leads to, to downward price pressure. So it's, it's indicating that there is less demand. As you go out a little bit, there's less demand. And so that the futures price is lower. Um, but if we look out beyond the next six months or so, in my view, the long-term super cycle for energy remains um, and heading towards a significant deficit by 2030. And, and furthermore, it's not just a significant deficit because supply can't keep up. The expectation of the, the, the world bodies is that there'll still be rising demand. Now that, that sort of flows you know, counter to what a lot of people are expecting, that demand will fall away as renewables pick up. But um, you know, the, the people that understand this stuff and have got their finger on the pulse are still expecting rising demand into the future for oil and gas. All right, let's uh, let's just have a, a quick perspective on lithium to end uh, 2023. This is still a very immature market, and and because it's immature in terms of price discovery, it's subject to huge cycles, fast cycles. We've seen, you know, over the last five years, we've seen dramatic booms and busts in lithium. Now, over time, and I'm talking five to ten years, that'll settle down, but it's going to be with us. For a while longer, we saw in 2023 spodumene prices and lithium carbonate and hydroxide prices down somewhere in the vicinity of 70 to 80 percent, which was massive. Um, I didn't see that coming. Um, most people that are very plugged in didn't see that coming. Um, so it was um, it caught a lot of people off guard for sure, um, and that has caused a lot of um, a lot of damage, um, technical damage with um, with stocks, and that'll take a bit of a while to uh, to flow through. But as with all commodities, the, the cure for low prices, which we currently have, are low prices because supply falls away, and we've seen you know a new lithium producer in Australia, Core Lithium, um, is um, is shutting down some of its operations. I mean, it's only been operating for less than twelve months or something like that. So that will happen. And there's a, my understanding is there is um, quite a lot of Chinese production of spodumene, which is operating at, uh, at a loss. You know, that's not sustainable. So supply will slow down and, and that will allow a base in prices and set up for the next upcycle in lithium, be that in six months' time, 12 months, 18 months, you know, I'm not thinking about the timing because, and you really, you don't want to. You don't want to formulate an idea in your mind about when because it, it just causes you to make wrong decisions. So it'll, it'll happen and just be ready, understand what your targets are and um, take advantage, pull the trigger when, when the time comes, whenever that is. I don't think it's going to be a fast turnaround, but what will happen is if prices do stabilize, let's say for argument's sake, prices stabilize uh, in the second half of this year, stock prices will start to move before that. 
and they could move anything up to six or nine months in advance. So you know, just because the bottom in, in prices, in, in actual commodity prices, doesn't occur for a while, doesn't mean that we won't see, we won't see some activity. And I expect it'll be big when, when it arrives, because the long-term picture, if you, you know, stand out at 2030 and, you know, assess where things are going to be, it, it's still incredibly rosy. It's just, we've had this, uh, we've had this huge adjustment in inventories in, uh, particularly in China, and they've just basically shut up shop and that caused the, the prices to plummet. And, and a way to think about this is that what happened in 2022 was probably far more, the demand was far more than it needed to be. So inventory levels got raised. So it's not so much that 2023 was a terrible year. It's that 2022 was probably far too good. And 2023 was in part a response to that, an adjustment to that. Because if you look at the EV production, the electric vehicle production in China, it was up in November and in the 11 months to the end of November, it was up 35% compared to 2022. So it's, it's not like EV production has gone into reverse, you know, to the contrary. So a lot of this is about over-exuberant inventory building in 2022. And 2023 has been a big adjustment year and prices have collapsed, you know, as, as a mirror image of the incredible surge that we saw in 2022. So hopefully that perspective on lithium keeps, um, keeps your head straight and don't lose sight of the opportunities. Wrapping it up, what can you achieve if you are highly organized, either on your own or with the help of an experienced guiding hand, as I said earlier. It's highly likely you're going to get significantly better returns, and that can make a huge difference to your wealth building. Now, most investors, and I've been working with investors for more than 20 years, they're not organized. They can't sustain the focus to execute effectively. And I don't say that critically. It's just a fact of who they are and where they are. It, it's human nature. It's normal. It's probably, it's more abnormal to be organized. So most investors would benefit enormously from getting a suitable plan and getting some one-on-one -on -one support to help execute reliably. You know, I can't stress that enough. And I'll just, again, point back to the offer that I talked about earlier in this presentation and is also available in the link below. Portfolio analysts, the week before last, we covered lithium. Where are we now? It was a good session, but certainly lithium is a market to take care with at the moment. That's it for 2023. Wish everyone a great new year. And um, as I've said many times, I'm probably more excited than I've ever been because the long term has been looking great for quite some time. And I've been enthusiastic about that. But we had several years where the inflation and therefore interest rate outlook really made life uncertain and difficult. And it's harder to pull the trigger in that sort of environment. It would appear now that that period has passed and that we can now proceed with more confidence. So I go into 2024 with a huge amount of confidence. 
So best wishes to everybody. There's more information on the website. There's my email address and I'll be back with you in 2024. Cheers.